So we'll begin reading in Proverbs chapter 16, beginning in verse 18. Verse 18 reads like this. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Verse 19. Better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Now let's go over to Revelations chapter 3, beginning at verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodosians write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and have sat down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. That's lengthy reading, more than I normally read. <clears throat> and the little thought I've got for you, and don't ask me where it came from out of these scriptures. It's just what the Lord gave me is good enough. Now, <clears throat> we... <clears throat> Place a lot of credence today, and it's justified to a degree on how we live, what we do with our life that God has given us, and things of that nature. But friend, I'm afraid none of us will ever be good enough. And uh, I'll just start right here. This is my granddaughter. I got this for Christmas, and she's sweet as she can be, and she's always smiling, and uh, very seldom fussy, anything of that nature, but just because she's my granddaughter, that's not good enough. Just because her papa's a preacher, because her, her great-grandpa was a deacon all of his life that I can remember, and we attended church all those all those years. 
just because her mom and daddy's profess Jesus as their Savior, all that is irrelevant when it comes to her salvation. All that will never be good enough. It'll take her, just like I did as a little eight-year-old boy, lost and undone without God. She may join a church one day. A lifetime of church membership won't be good enough. A lifetime of singing songs about the Lord won't be good enough. If she gets saved, if she goes to heaven, she'll get there the same way that I had to come. <coughs> the same way that you had to come. And that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. She'll have to ask him into her heart. Greatest thing I ever did was ask Jesus to save me. We've lived to a day where people have so much pride in their heart. And I read you the scripture over in Proverbs that pride goeth before destruction. I read you the scripture about the church over in Revelation. It said, we're good. We have need of nothing. And had no idea that they were wretched. That they were poor. That they were naked. That they were hungry. I'm here to tell you today. And I believe Dutch Bottoms to be the best church in Cock County. I believe Dutch Bottoms to be the best church in East Tennessee. And one of the best churches there ever was. But we're still not good enough. We could be better. I believe we could grow. I believe we could see more sinners saved. How about you? We got a good church. We got people that love one another. We've got people that are interested in serving God and lifting up His name and singing His praises. But we're not good enough. We could be better. We could do more. We could reach more. We could see more sinners saved. We could see the house full. We could see no one sitting in a pew. And what do you mean by that, preacher? Do you mean the house being totally empty? No. I mean the power of God being so strong, nobody is sitting down. I mean the power of God being so strong that everybody is praising the name of the Lord and shouting glory and giving worship and praise to the name of Jesus. We serve Him Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Today is the day that we worship Him. And I glory, glory, glory. Gary, somebody touched me. I know it was the hand of the Lord. We need to do a lot more worship. And a lot less said. <laughs> All right. Don't charge extra for that. All right. Good enough. As far as this church was concerned, I read about you in Revelation. They were good enough. They didn't have need of anything. Let me tell you something, friend. We always need more power with God. Amen. We always need more humbleness. We always need more time on our knees. We always need more heart searching. Finding out where we're at and where we need to be. Heard a preacher preach one time. 
he got so close to the Lord, he had to back off a little. I've never got that close. I have got close enough to realize there was a lot more ground between me and God than what I thought there was. And I had to pray and repent and move on up a little closer. See, we're never good enough. We'll never be a good enough Christian. You may take your whole check and put it in the treasury. You may give tithes of all you possess. You may, now listen, what's it say? Though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. I'm still, I, when you elected me, I preached to you about the love of God. Here I am. That's still all I've got. The love of God. What's that song say? The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It reaches beyond the highest star and down to the lowest hell. The guilty power. That's me and you. Bowed down with with. Oh, he gave his son to win. Oh, oh, how precious is the love of God. I'll never be good enough. But because Jesus loved me, he gave his only begotten son because he loved me that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Are you glad that although we'll never be good enough, our lives will never be good enough to get from earth to glory. God, through sin and his son on Calvary, paid the price for you and I so that we could be a child of God. All right. I think it's about time we take the blinders off, don't you? (laughs) Why, there's not a one of us good here. Did you know that? There's some men I hold in high regard at Dutch Bottoms. Men that I would put beyond reproach. But you know what they are at the end of the day? They're just men. That's right. They're just men. And although it may be innocent, they make mistakes too. Although they may never have a single intention of ever mistreating anyone or doing anybody wrong or anything like that, through a word said unintentionally or something of that nature, someone may get hurt or something uh, like that. Let me tell you something. We'll never be good enough. We'll never live good enough. For all have sinned. You know who all is, don't you? Jennifer, I missed your count. I'm assuming there's 50, 60, something other here. But I can tell you, all 54 (laughs) under the sound of my voice are sinners. Including this one. All have sinned. We'll never be good enough. So let's take a look at a fella in the Bible. He had good intentions. He approached Jesus. He said, good master, what should I do to receive eternal life? And you know what Jesus' reply was? Now this was a man that knew no sin. This was a man 
that did no wrong. This was a man that left the splendors of heaven to come down and be spit upon, be beaten, be bruised, shed every last drop of blood that he had for wretches like you and I gave all that was necessary to, to purchase our salvation. And his response was, Why callest me thou good? For there's none good but one, and that's God which is in heaven. I'll never be good enough. You'll never be good enough. But I've got news for you. There's one that's still good. There's one that's still good. And whenever I am low, whenever I am down, whenever I have done wrong, when I've forsaken him and turned my back on him, he's still good. He's still merciful. He's still righteous. He's still holy. And he still considers the lowest state of this little boy. Why callest me thou good? For there's none good but God, which is in heaven. He said, if you want to receive eternal life, just paraphrase it in my terminology. He said, do the commandments. And the young man wanted to know, well, which of these should I do? Now, this would be enough. To cut out most men. He said do no murder. Do not covet. Do not bear false witness. And he went on down even to the ones in the New Testament. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Well preacher I've never stolen anything. I've never killed anybody. Well, there's more than just that. And I believe the young lad said, well, all these have I kept from my youth up. Even if we've lived the best we know how. Now, that's making a, a huge statement to say that you have lived a life where you have kept all of the commandments. The ten in the Old Testament, the two in the New Testament, to say you have lived such a life that you've kept all of those commandments all the days of your life. Most folks would look at that young man and say he's a pretty good boy. But what did the Lord say? He said, yet lack it. He wasn't good enough, was he? He said, yet lackest thou one thing. Let me tell you something. I, I remember singing a song we used to say years ago uh, about... It talked about looking down through the ages. God beheld a dying soul. Sin caused separation. Nevermore could man behold. There must come a lamb. And then the chorus says, When he sees me, what's God look at when he sees you? What's he see? Now listen, he don't, he don't look at us sitting on the pew on Sunday morning. He don't look at us in our Sunday finest, in our suits and ties, in our fancy clothes. He sees the inner thoughts and the intents of your heart. He knows every thought that crosses your mind. He knows the number of hair on your head. He knows you better than your spouse does. 
He knows you better than your children do. He knows you better than, than your mama does. I'm here to tell you today, He knows all about you. So what does God see when He sees you? He, you, if you could look and justifiably say that He looks at you and looks at me in the way that we've lived, you could say He sees somebody that would never be good enough. But the song says this. When he sees me, he sees the blood Amen. of the Lamb. He sees me as worthy and not as I am. He views me with garments that are whiter than snow. For the Lamb of God is worthy and he washed me. This I know. <laughs> glory, glory, glory. <laughs> you see, friend, if this young lad who had kept all the commandments couldn't live good enough, you and I will never do it either. You and I will never do it either. And I've heard sinners make this statement. You pray for me. I won't be much longer. I've heard sinners make this statement. I've lived too rough. I've been too mean. I've done too many things. Why, the Lord would never forgive me. And friend, if you got what you deserved, you'd be absolutely right. We'll never be good enough. But here's what makes the difference with you and I. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. He took something vile and wretched. He took something broken of no use, of no value, he took something men would discard and throw away and say there's no use in fooling with it. He took some sinners like you and I and put the pieces back together. He, he picked this up. He washed our sin. You ask me why I'm happy? Well, I'll just tell you why. Because my sins are gone. Amen. Where are they, preacher? They're underneath the blood. Yeah. <coughs> <coughs> now you look me in the eye and you tell me that you're worthy to go to heaven. You look me in the eye and you tell me that the good life you've lived is your ticket to get there. That don't agree with God's word. See, a lifetime of service, I'm going to have to preach this. A lifetime of service doesn't grant us one extra thing in glory. Did you know that? I've heard people say, when I get there, I want to see all the, 
all the diamonds and the rubies and the stars in my crown. Let me preach you a little something about the crown. It's not one like the king of Egypt would wear. It's one that's full of righteousness. That's what it is, a crown of righteousness. And if I've done anything to deserve a little spark, I need to take all that I've earned and lay it down at the feet of Jesus because I'm unworthy to be there in the first place. You need some scripture, don't you, to back that up. So, okay. Remember the Lord that went out to the fields and every man that would work for him, he gave them a penny that morning to work the fields for him. And they worked all day long. Now, it's been a while since I've read this. But I believe about midday, there was some more came in. And they agreed as well for a penny. And then in the evening, there was some more came in. And they agreed as well to do the same job that those folks had started early that morning for, for a penny. And at the 11th hour, just one stroke before midnight, just one stroke before the day was done. Just an hour left remaining in the day. There were other men came in and he agreed with them as well that they would earn a penny for their labor. Preacher, that is not fire. Let me preach to you what the Lord said. He said that everyone that worked for him would receive the same salvation. Let me, he, he, gave the heaven, he went from heaven. Heaven gave the best that it had to pay the price for our salvation. And so if I could work from now until the last breath that I draw, he earns it all. He deserves it all. I've not even begun. If I work from the day I'm born to the day I die, I'll never be able to pay the price for my salvation. I'm just not good enough. For what would a man give in exchange for his soul? You know what we want to do. Well, I did such and such. That's good enough. I preached to you not too long ago about the Pharisee and the publican, didn't I? You know what? All of the Pharisee's prior could be summed up in two words. He felt what he had done was good enough. Friend, we'll never be good enough. We'll never measure it. As a matter of fact, if you want to just be totally frank and honest about it, our lives are like that of Nebuchadnezzar. I believe it was him. It might have been Darius. Chapter 5, verse 27 of Daniel. Thou have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. The best a man can live is not good enough. Because what if? Mine's far from it. I can tell you that right now. 
What if a man could live a good life? What if a man could live a life that was beyond reproach? What if a man could live a life where his neighbors said, that's a good fellow? What if a man could live a life where all of his work acquaintances said, that man's a godly man? What if a man could live a life that whenever the came time for the services to happen at the church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, everybody knew where you were going to be? What if we could live such a life as that? And yet, in one moment of weakness, let's say we lived that way for years. That's right. And yet, in one moment of weakness, we let flesh get in the way. Just that one instant. Let's make it a span of seven seconds. How about that? Is that enough? And we let flesh get ahead of our way with God. Would all those things we've done for all those years, would that be enough to overcome that seven seconds? No. Would that be enough to overcome something where we had opened our mouth or we had done something and we had been a failure? Friend, let me tell you something. If I don't live for God today, all the days I've lived the day before is irrelevant. If I don't try to live better today than I lived yesterday, then I've been a failure. You see, we'll never... Well, let me just give you some word. It's been quoted. And there is a reason, a specific reason that it's written this way. This is what the Bible says. Strive. What's that mean? It sounds to me like there's some work involved. Sounds to me like I'm not going to be able to sit back and take it easy. Sounds to me like I'm not going to be able to rest on my laurels. Sounds to me like I'm not going to be able to rest on the fact that I've preached for 20 years. Sounds to me like I'm not going to be able to just rely on the fact that one time, many, many years ago, I said, Jesus, please save me. That's what strive means to me. Strive for what? Strive for perfection. You may be perfect and entire and wanting nothing. Now, there is a specific reason that it says strive for perfection. It does not say be ye perfect. But it says strive for perfection. And the reason it is written that way is because we are in the flesh. It cannot be perfect. It was conceived in sin. It's, it's, it from the, we're from the dust of the earth. And God told Adam, he said, dust thou art unto, and unto dust thou shalt return. I've heard folks say, when I get to heaven, I want to see grandma. I want to see this one. I want to see that one. Well, you'll see them without the flesh because their flesh is going back to the dust of the earth. It's the soul of a man that goes from earth to glory. Amen. Their flesh can never be good enough. You can never be good enough. 
I could never be good enough. So let's talk about what makes us. Let's talk about what helps us to overcome. Let's talk about what helps us to, to get out of our own way and get to the point to where when we leave this life, we can go from earth to glory. To be good enough, we have to be under the blood. Yeah. To be good enough, our sins have to be forgiven. To be good enough, we have to have asked Jesus to be our Savior. Mm -hmm. To be good enough, we have to trust completely in Him. To be good enough, He has to see the blood. Amen. Now, I'm going to finish up here in just a second. And I believe somebody mentioned it here just a service or two ago about how that the Lord sent the death angel down in Egypt to take the firstborn of every man, beast in Egypt. Did you know there wasn't nothing Pharaoh could do to stop that? Did you know there wasn't nothing that Pharaoh's milkman could do to stop that? Let's get it down on our level. Because we'll never make it to the Pharaoh level, will we? But we might make it to the milkman level. <coughs> there wasn't nothing Pharaoh's milkman, his male man, his trumpeter, his soldier, his maid. There wasn't nothing, anything that those folks could do to stop the death angel. You want to go farther? There was nothing that the children of Israel could do to stop the death angel. The only thing that gave the death angel pause was the blood Amen. of the Lamb. Amen. And I'm going to preach this. I don't read it. But I'm going to preach it because I believe it. I believe Moses took a lamb. And he slayed that animal. And he roasted it with fire. He may have even shared the lamb with his brother Aaron. And they put that blood of the lamb over the doorpost. And the only thing that kept the death angel from going right on into Moses' house and taking his children was the blood. You see, friend, just because I'm the pastor of Dutch Bottoms, my family's not exempt. Just because your family may have been here for years, your family's not exempt. They'll all come under the blood or it just won't be good enough. Amen. Amen. Now I preach this Wednesday night. I'm going to touch on it again, then I'm going to be done. There's not a family under the sound of my voice that doesn't have children. You would like to be sitting in the sanctuary right now beside of you. We've all got them. Every one of us has them, don't we? Yeah. 
And if it's not your child, it's a dear friend. If it's not your friend, it's a neighbor that's been good to you that just won't darken the door of the church. Might be a spouse, might be a mother, might be a father, but we've all got family we would love to see in the house of God. Amen. They may not even be blood relatives, but you consider them yours. You consider them part of your family. You'd love to see them in the house of God. Just calling them yours is not good enough. They're going to have to get a hold of Jesus. They're going to have to be under the blood. Having said that, I'm going to say this. I'll never get mine doing this. No. I'll never get mine to the altar tell them how wrong they are. I'll never get mine to the altar pulling, condemning, pointing a finger, tell them how sorry they are. Let me tell you what will get a married. I love you. Amen. I want to go to heaven with you. I would hate the thought that I got to go to heaven. I'm going whether you're going or not. But I would hate the thought of me going to heaven and you not being there. That thought just breaks my heart. Loving the men is the only way we're going to get them here. I believe we just need to show more of it. Because, friend, because their last name is strange, is not good enough. Their last name could be Parker, Coster, Holt, Ellison, Buckner, Reed. Does not matter. That's just not good enough. They'd be much better off to be known as a Christian. They'd be much better off if they were never even affiliated with me, if they denied me, denied being my child. They'd be much better off doing that and being known as a Christian than it would be to know, be called a strange and never know Jesus. See, friend, He is good enough. We're not. He is. Preacher, I'll do what I want to. No man liveth to himself and no man died to himself. You want to do what you want to? Well, this is what Scripture has to say about that. In Him. We live and move and have our very being. You may stub up. You may say, I'm going to do my own thing. And you might not be able to get out of bed in the morning. Because it's in him that you live and move and have your very being. You may not open your eyes tomorrow. Because it's in him that you live. And I've had plans before of you. Things I was going to do, Chuck. Going to straighten this out. Going to fix that. Going to, going to build this. Going to do that. And 
twist the wrong way. And I wouldn't even get out of bed. As a matter of fact, it's been since I've been here as your pastor. I sat down one day. And I could not get back up. Tammy had to call 911. And they had to take me to the emergency room and give me a shot to relax that muscle until I could actually get up and walk and move around again. You see, friend, I can do nothing. But here's what the Bible says. I know we're not good enough. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Amen. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Remember the thorn in the flesh Paul had? He prayed thrice that the Lord removed it. What happened with that? Did the Lord take that away? No, he didn't. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. You may feel like you'll never measure it. Here's what the Lord told Paul. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. We are the weakest thing God ever made. I believe the angels have power, don't you? I believe Satan has power, don't you? I believe his minions have power, don't you? What do we got? We're as weak as weak can be. We'll never be good enough. But through him, we can do all things. All right. How do you feel about it? Do you see the place where you could have done and you didn't? Do you see the place where you thought you're okay and now you figured out you're just not what you thought you needed to be? Friend, right now is a good time to come pray and straighten that out. Somebody need to pray. If you need to pray, come right on.